Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship today um, on what has been an absolutely glorious week weather-wise and the next week um, is to be the same. Um, so welcome all you join us in person or indeed online today. We bid you a warm welcome in the name of Christ as we come to worship the God who is alive, who is well, and who still is sovereign and in control in the world uh, around us. We begin um, on this Trinity Sunday as we remember that we worship a triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit with some words from First Chronicles chapter 29. It says, Praise be to you, O Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. And your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. This morning's reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, beginning to read at verse 11, and can be found on page 1111 of your Pew Bibles. Lydia's conversion in Philippi. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. James said you're looking forward to a different voice this morning. Hopefully you've been listening to him the past number of weeks. So let's hope that's true. There's a lot to get through this morning. So apologies if I talk quickly or talk too long. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we delve into your word, may we learn more of your name and what it means to communicate our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. I am an ENTP. Does anyone know what that means? An ENTP. Perhaps you've come across these or not. Myers-Briggs personality quizzes. There's personality tests across the country that you can engage in. Mine is ENTP. This is... Uh, a lady, Professor Briggs, who discovered this idea of social science and what it means to group the entire, uh, I was going to say population of the world, but that's not the right word. But the, 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 all, all of us can be grouped under one of 16 categories uh, that, that defines who we are. It's some questionable science, but I'll go through a little bit of what this means. You're either an E or an I, an extrovert or an introvert. I'm the least introverted person, I think, in existence. Extrovert with a capital E, perhaps, is right. 
the, the next one is whether you are a, someone who senses things or feels things. Uh, or how, how, do you, how do you make your judgments? Are you sensing? Are you feeling? Uh, are, you, are, you a, or are you a thinker or a feeler? Maybe it might be the next one. Uh, that's uh, ENT. I'm a, I'm a bit of a thinker. I don't really use my emotion. Do, you, do we make emotional judgments or do we, do we think them through using logic? Uh, and then lastly, it's whether we uh, have perceivements or judgments in our decision-making process. Do we like to have order and control? And when you look at your calendar, is it scheduled out? Or are you just a chaotic person who goes from place to place uh, and doesn't really know what's going on? We had a meeting at 2 o'clock uh, on Friday, and Sarah rang me. Uh, it was half an hour away, and Sarah was we were both going, and Sarah rang me at 10 past 1 saying, you're not home and haven't had lunch yet, where are you? And I was still 20 minutes from home to go half an hour to where we had to be because just chaos reigns in my life. So I'm very thankful for someone who is the opposite and compliments me and controls those levels. So according to Myers-Briggs, I am a debater. I am someone who likes to talk. I like to tell stories. I like to, to communicate in in arguments and in those sort of levels of conversation. For some people, the idea of conflict and argument is your worst nightmare. For me, it is something I thrive on, of having the chance to debate and converse in things that people might disagree with me on. So this morning, I'm going to simply share some stories with you. As we discuss this morning and explore Lydia, Lydia, the first convert in Europe, the first European to come to faith, she came to faith on the banks of a river through people talking with her. I want to tell you a little bit about some of the people in my life who I've had the privilege of journeying with as they have explored faith, perhaps for the first time. I'm going to try not to share names, uh, but please ignore them if I do share names. This young girl joined our youth group a few years ago, youth group that I was working in. Um, she was having a bit of a hard time in school. She was being bullied, and her response to being bullied was that the three girls that were bullying her, she invited to the youth group. So she invited them along to her safe space where she felt comfortable, and that was such an admirable thing for a 14, 15-year-old to do. These three girls joined. They got engaged with the community. They saw something different in the lives of the people around them, and two of those three girls then came to faith through the expression of a teenager saying, I'm being bullied, what am I going to do? What is the correct Christian response? I'm going to invite them to effectively to my church to engage with things. And those two girls came to faith uh, from very difficult, back different backgrounds to those they were around, but they engaged and found a faith and a community of people, and they are still walking with Jesus to this day. Another one journey that we've been on is uh, a girl that I worked with uh, had, had a hard upbringing, uh, bounced about, her mum bounced about from partner to partner. She never really knew who her dad was. She thought she, she thought she knew who her dad was, then realized that wasn't her dad and found out who her dad was whenever she was 17. Uh, and he actually lived in a different country. Uh, she had finished school with no qualifications, no GCSEs, feeling like she had no potential. Uh, and we engaged, we got to know each other, we got to talk, 
And then through work, we had a Christian mission team coming. And I think my perception was wrong because I had always shared my faith and pushed things a little bit, but I'd never really pushed it that far. And this mission team came, and three days into a week-long process, she came to faith. She fell in love with Jesus. She found a home in the church. She found a community, and she really engaged with her faith and just was set on fire to do things for the Lord. The last one, January, February time I shared here uh, about a young girl who had been struggling with her mental health in serious ways. And there were people in the congregation came and offered to pray for her, which I have appreciated immensely over the past six months. I have worn this outfit uh, four times in my professional capacity in work in the youth center. The first three times I did it, literally she turned and ran rather than speaking to me. What are you wearing that for was her response. All communication and relationship was broken down if I wore this outfit. And on Friday, I was, do I was leading an assembly in the school, and she came up to me and said, you know, I've been questioning everything about this whole faith thing over the past couple of weeks. Let's meet and talk about it soon. And it's, it's alive, it's ongoing, it's exciting. And I love it when people come and discover faith for the first time. Because what I love about people discovering faith for the first time is their passion and enthusiasm when they first discover Christ. We have a lot to learn from new believers. Sometimes, if we've been believers for a long time, we settle into a rhythm. We settle into what we know and what we do and how we talk about our faith and who we talk about it with and who we brush over it with to a certain extent. But when a new believer comes to faith, we learn amazing things from their passion, their vigor, their desire to tell everyone, to show everyone what it means for them to communicate their new love in their life. Lydia is the first convert that we come across in, the, in, in, in Europe. The disciples start to, to take the word of God and spread it out a little bit further. They cross over the river and they enter into the Roman Empire afresh in a new continent. They arrive in a city where there's no synagogue. There's no place for the Jewish people to worship. So instead, they go looking for what they refer to as a place of prayer. If there was no synagogue, quite often Jewish believers gathered at the banks of a river. That is where they would go to worship, to pray together, to share, to discuss the law. So they head to these, the banks of the river. On, in verse 13, on the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. They gather with these people who might have heard stories of Jesus. They might have had conceptions, misconceptions perhaps. But they reach this point of Lydia coming to faith, of her becoming the first convert and first believer. The celebrations must have been great. And Lydia's heart is set on fire for the Lord. What can we do? What can I do to celebrate this? Lydia really represents a large cross-section when it comes to looking at the faith of the early church. Lydia wasn't coming from a poor background at all. Lydia would have been one of the richest people in the community. What we know of her 
was that she dealt in purple cloth. Now, to collect purple dye, what was required is you would have gone to the river, you would have collected a very specific shellfish, and then drop by drop, you would extract that dye from the shellfish in a way that didn't kill it, so that you could then put it back in the river to produce more dye when you came back again. And this was a, a tedious task, which was painstaking, but very rewarding. Lydia was a very wealthy person in the community. These men arrived from the community, and the first person that they brought to faith was probably the last that anyone would have expected. This wealthy woman in the community was who they chose to share their faith with, and her heart, set on fire, invited them back into her home. She invited them back and said, come, come back to my house. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my home. This was her call. This was her desire to offer all and everything she had in this new faith, in this new community. She represented so much of what scripture has taught us, what the letters have taught us, what it means to be a believer in Christ. Romans 12 verse 13 teaches us to extend hospitality to all who we meet. 1 Peter uh, 4 verse 9 tells us to be hospitable without complaining. Lydia opens up her home to these people that she has just met in a way that encourages the gospel in a newfound way. I'm going to go back a little bit to one of my favorite parables in the gospels. And that is parables that we quite often follow through in Luke 15. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son and his return home. In this story, Jesus sits down to teach in the beginning of Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teacher of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. He goes on and tells the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. One of the most important things we can do looking at scripture is understand who is Jesus talking to. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son and hopefully many of us are familiar with it. The son takes his inheritance, he goes off, he squanders his money, he returns back home again, and his father welcomes him with open arms, and they have a banquet and a feast for him. Quite often, that is where our teaching stops in this story. But I argue that this story, to the Pharisees and to the tax collectors, the purpose of this story and the main character is not the prodigal son at all, but the prodigal son's brother, who works in the fields. The prodigal son's brother who complains when his father has a party for his younger brother, the disobedient one. From verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But, my, you're, you, but when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, you are always with me, 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. For me, the message of the prodigal son goes hand in hand with the message of Lydia. We have new believers and as a church, the prodigal son teaches us how to respond to new believers, to respond to their excitement and enthusiasm. Sometimes churches squander that. They quieten them down. They give them time to to ruminate over it and just make sure you're fully invested before you come any further. But we should be excited by these new believers, just excited by this new faith and encourage it wherever we can. Let the enthusiasm of our children and our young people and and new believers, wherever they come from, fill our church and fill our community. I started with personality tests and I want to come back to personality tests because we talk a lot about wouldn't it be great to have new believers? But what I'm most passionate about is making sure we know how to make new believers. Myers-Briggs gives us 16 different versions of personalities that exist. There's a, an organization called Fusion that, that work in ministry to uh, students, and they argue that whilst there might be 16 personality types, there are four types of new believers. There are four types of people when it comes to coming to faith. I'm going to share some of them with you. Reflect over which one you were. I'd like you to reflect on when you came to faith and what it was that brought you to know and love Jesus. The first is the convince me type. The people who want the gospel to make sense. The people who want to look at the science, the facts, the figures, explore the things that they want to have explained. A convince me person needs someone to come and convince them of what it means to understand the gospel and how it fits with science and the world and all around. Tim Keller, uh, was, who's recently gone to be with the Lord, was a great person for the convince me. He, he knew his facts and his figures and, and that was what brought him to his faith and that is what he shared in much of his ministry. For others, you might be a show me person. Perhaps you saw the actions that were taken to look after those in our community who needed help and support. Maybe that is what brought you in, the show me of showing exactly what it means to live your faith out in a community. Perhaps you're a a talk with me. You need someone to meet with you one-on-one and share the faith, discuss things through. Just as the Ethiopian eunuch, when first coming to faith, got to know the Bible from having it explained to him. Are you a talk with me person who had questions that needed answers that you just wanted to thrash things out and have someone to bounce off in that? Or are you a let me experience, someone who wants to try things? Go and try it for themselves. God, if you're real, show me this. Let me try this. Come and let me experience this for myself. I'm an experienced person. That is where my background is. I can experience. my experience of coming through, letting try things, that's what brought me to know and love the Lord. And that is what I can do in my ministry to people. That is what I can offer. But people, you sitting around you, look at the people beside you. There are so many people to be reached. 
and you all have your own gifts, your own background, your own things that God has brought to you that you need to offer. Whether you need to have friends in your life who need to be convinced and you're not the person to do that. Who can you ask that is aware of the science and the facts and the figures that you can bring into things? Maybe you're a person who needs to be shown what it means to love the Lord. How can we be involved with food banks or, or ministries and experience that and go out into the streets? I'm going to, with James's permission, I'm going to put more of this information up on uh, our social media or maybe on Facebook or maybe uh, in, in life groups this week if they meet together. That actually we can learn more about what brings us and encourages us in our faith and how we can share that with people around us. Because we are not called to remain in our community, in this nice building on a warm summer's day. That our family fun night is not just intended for the people sitting in the seats today. But actually, we are called to go out and share with more people. To go out and communicate our faith in whatever gifts and ways God has offered to us. That we can go out and share with people who are at the bottom of our community, the top of our community, wherever they may fall, we are called to share our faith with them. Lydia's heart was set on fire. Lydia offered her home in a way that helped grow the church. In fact, when the church in Philippi opened, they met in Lydia's house. When people were persecuting them for their belief or looking down on them, or perhaps questioning her business, actually she opened her home and welcomed people in. Whenever Paul was arrested and thrown in jail, who came to visit? Who was not ashamed? Lydia, the new believer, the person whose heart was set on fire. New believers are the heart of our church that encourage us, that help push us forward, that help us grow. Folks, this morning, all of us must go to let our homes be open, let our hands be generous, let our hearts be big enough to help anyone in need. The joy of the Lord is far greater when it's shared amongst each other. Let us be encouraged, let us share, let us communicate our faith in new ways which grow God's kingdom here on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servants who went out from their homes, who went out to share your faith, to share your word to all they met. Thank you for Lydia, for her faith, for her courage, for her inspiration. May we be inspired to share our faith in a way which is unashamed, which puts you first, which pushes us outside of our comfort zone, which pushes us to invite people to know you. Make us aware of our gifts, our strengths, and the strengths of our church body around us. May we all work together to grow your kingdom here on earth, this day and evermore. Amen. Well, we finish um, today with some words from Ephesians uh, chapter 3. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long, high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Thank you, my Lord. Blessing, God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, upon each one of us this day and forevermore.